Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice. Welcome to the podcast of the Practice Manager webinar that was recorded on Wednesday the 31st of March. Hello everybody, Um, I'm Louise Greenwood, Director of Education for Wessex LMCs and welcome to our Practice Manager webinar. Um, It's quality not quantity today obviously because I know I've had lots of out of offices, lots of you are on leave but um, hopefully those of you who have joined in um, will find this useful. Um, So I think without any further ado I'm going to hand over to Michelle and she's going to lead us on. Thanks Michelle. Thanks, Louise. So I'm going to do a couple of updates, um, one on the COVID vaccination programme and the other on flu. And then Lisa's got some information that she wants to share with you as well. So the information I'm going to talk about around COVID vaccination, I'm sure most of you will probably be aware of. We thought it would be useful just to share with you some of the queries that we're getting in um, and share that information. Every webinar, we say it, and we must say it again. It's truly inspirational how practices have stepped up to provide the uh, COVID vaccination programme, whilst also doing the the day job. And we completely get how intense and high pressured it is for you at the moment. And just to say, you know where we are, if there's anything we can do to help. So some of the information that we're getting and queries we're receiving is around the COVID vaccination supply. And as we um, will know that it's reduced during April, and with a focus on cohorts one to nine, and also that there's a guarantee that the second doses are also taking place during April. Um, We're getting quite a lot of queries, as you probably can imagine, around cohorts 10 to 12, and that practices had to, I think it was Monday, by Monday had to opt out if they didn't wish just to um, provide the 10 to 12 cohorts. Um, We're getting quite a lot of queries around that. So I think the key messages are that do not waste vaccine, that's really important and to continue to contact the one to nine patients who haven't had a vaccine. And I think a lot of things that we're hearing is that practices are contacting two or three times and they're not responding and they don't want it. If you're in that position and you've got vaccines that aren't being used and uh, um, you haven't got patients to give them to, we would suggest you need to contact your CCG. They may be able to arrange mutual aid uh, of those vaccines to another uh, PCN who might need them and if that's not possible um, then you need to agree with your CCG what the next steps are to avoid wasting those those vaccines. I think the other thing just to highlight is that the PGD for Pfizer and AstraZeneca for cohorts 10 to 12 have now been updated. Um, We still await the update for the national protocol um, but they are that they are available on the gov.uk website. So that's all I wanted to talk about um, COVID. So moving on to flu, so flu for 21-22. So we've had a number of queries come in from practices asking whether they need to buy or purchase vaccines for the 50 to 64 cohort. Um, And it's just to say that we don't believe that there's been any amendment to the reimbursement letter that went out from um, public health in February. So at this point in time, I think you just need to await any further guidance that comes in uh, from public health or through the primary care bulletin. Um, we are aware that there was correspondence sent to practices uh, for and suggesting that you order for these, these age groups, the 50 to 64, but that was withdrawn and, and we believe um, uh, rescinded quite quickly. So I think just in summary, not to take any action until there's further information coming out from public health or via the primary care bulletin for your 50 to 64 cohorts. And that's all I think I wanted to say on those two. I don't, it's over to Lisa. 
Thanks, Michelle. Um, I just wanted to provide a quick update on the shielding advice, as I'm sure you're aware from the 1st of April, shielding uh, for the clinically extremely vulnerable individuals has been paused. They're advised to continue to work from home. If they do um, wish to return to the workplace, then their employer should undertake a workplace assessment, taking into account the latest advice and guidance. Um, a letter was sent out to practice other healthcare employers um, about the 23rd of March, and I'll pop the link in the chat box, but essentially it's just reiterating that same advice that if staff do wish to return to work within the practice, um, you do need to undertake a refresh your risk assessment, taking into account the latest advice, still sticking to the usual infection control and PPP, PPE advice, etc. Um, and we have got a little bit more information on our website and I'll put that link in the, in the Q&A as well. Um, so that was just on it on shielding. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention was the closure of the, the Fit for Work service. Um, that closes on the 31st of March and people are being encouraged to go as an alternative to the NHS.UK website, gov.uk website or to ACAS for further advice. Um, I understand that there are um, proposals being worked up to improve advice and information for those in the workplace. Um, and so it's just a question of watching this space. And when we get more information on that, um, we'll send it out to you. Um, and then I think it's back to Michelle. Yeah, so I'm going to just briefly talk about um, a number of queries that we've received in relation to a freedom of information request that relates to DNA CPRs for patients that um, have learning disability. So just taking a step back from that. So in October, when October last year, 2020, when um, the BMA and England were looking at QOF and looking to see how they could reduce the pressure for practices, they issued an uh, updated guidance around QOF. And within that, there was information around the quality indicators, particularly for learning disabilities. And one of the um, amendments related to practices being required to look at all of the patients that have a learning disability recorded and if they have a DNA CPR. And this was a, um, a, an amendment at that time. So we have been made aware that a number of practices have received a, uh, a freedom of information request to share information around this. So they're asking how many patients that have a learning disability have a DNA CPR and how many have been amended as a consequence of the piece of work for, quality, for the quality indicator. As I've mentioned, this is a national, this has gone out to uh, practices across the country. So the GPC have issued some advice around how you need, uh, suggesting how you respond to this. Um, just as an aside, I, I am aware that our last practice manager webinar, we did um, promise to put um, an FAQ document up around it, around a couple of areas. We've just got that final piece of information over the last couple of days, and that will be going on that we'll be going onto our website. And what I will do with this, with the suggested response that the GPC have sent, I'll add that into the FAQ document for this, for this week's webinar. So you can see how they're suggesting to respond, but just to give you a bit of an overview, um, they're saying that because these QI modules were um, income protected and deprioritized due to COVID, that you may want to go back to the requester and ask um, whether they would, whether you could complete this information at a later date, because actually what you're going to provide is probably going to be inaccurate and incomplete. However, saying that it doesn't absolve you if they come back and say they want the information, you are going to have to provide something if they do come back and, and ask that. 
but just a reminder that if if you don't have that in, it, if you don't have the information in the format that they're asking um, you you don't need to create anything new so um, we would suggest that you have a look at the information that we put on with this FAQ as to how you want to respond to that I think the only other thing just to mention is that they are asking for five years worth of data um, and as I said earlier this was only introduced in October 2020 so the actual response can only cover from the time that this was implemented in Quoth so that's from October also, if you've got any queries, you could also raise it with your MDO if you're if you're concerned before you respond. So that was all on the FOI that I wanted to update. This is just a reminder around Fluens Tetra for the 2021 flu program. Just a reminder that all batches do expire on the 22nd of March and that you need to check your stock to ensure that you haven't got anything out of date and these need to be disposed of with in line with your local policies. You do need to go on to inform and complete um, information on there. I think it's on the instant, um, incident page of if you've had to dispose of stock. Um, again, this link will be within our um, FAQ document. So I think that was all I wanted to update. I think Nisa, you're going to do a bit on Numabax. Yes, and that was just if people weren't already aware, just to make you aware that there is a shortage of the pre-filled Numax syringes. Um, so uh, it's just to, to raise your awareness of that. And I'm sure you're already aware, but just a reminder that the priority groups are those aged from two years, clinical risk groups, and those aged 65 and, and, and above. Um, and that's simply that, that to, to let you know. And did you want, shall I mention, while I'm just talking, apologies, Michelle, um, just to let you know, in terms of Easter bank holiday, we'll be uploading the pharmacy rotors onto our website soon. I think, um, Louise, we're just waiting for Dorset, aren't we? I think oh, no, Dorset's just Hampshire. appeared. Dorset was oh, last. We perfect. thought they must be all out in the sun on the beaches, I think, the last couple of days. But now, yes, Dorset, um, all the pharmacy opening hours are also on the um, NHS England links. Um, so we put the links on our website, so if people need that, that's there. So thank you, Lisa. No, that's great. Okay, we've got a couple of questions coming in. Um, COVID one, and um, to start with Michelle. So, can we have some guidance regarding those Pfizer patients now over more than twelve weeks since their first dose? We may be having a delivery later this month, but patients will be over twelve weeks by one or two weeks. Does it matter? Um, I think you need to contact your CCG because there is a guideline around how you know how many weeks they're supposed to have the vaccine. I would contact the CCG to see if you could um, get some mutual aid to be able to give you, enable you to be able to give the Pfizer in the correct interval. And then if they haven't got any, they need to, they need to help you um, manage that because clearly patients are gonna start contacting you asking when their appointment's gonna be booked. Um, I think you need to go to your CCG, I'm afraid. If you get any, I'm not sure who's put that on because it's anonymous, isn't it? Yeah. Please come to us and we can pick that up with the CCG as well, if that, that would help. And also, do, is it still the CCG you would go to if you've only got AstraZeneca and not Pfizer or vice versa and you wanted to give the second dose of the same um, pharma company, but you haven't got the right vaccines in? Is, is it still advice from the CCG for that sort of thing as well? I would suggest so, definitely. Mm -hmm. There is guidance. So, sorry, just so I'm clear. So, are you talking about if you want if they've had Pfizer for the first and they need to have AstraZeneca for the second, for example? 
people. Um, you could go to the CCG. There is information in the Green Book that talks about how you manage that. It is exceptional circumstances. And we know that there are some. So there are some patients that have had Pfizer to begin with, but have then become housebound and then need a vaccine. So that probably would be an exceptional circumstance. But I would always, you're absolutely right, they probably need to go to the CCG just to clarify that that's okay. But I think the Green Book does make provision for those. Lovely. Thank you, Michelle. Okay. Is there going to be any help going to be forthcoming with regards to breakdown for COVID vaccine payments other than one lump sum on the GMS statement? I guess if you've got a PCN, you need to split the funding or something. I imagine that could be quite hairy. Who would like to take that? Michelle? A really good question. And you would hope that, that that they would be able to provide that breakdown, but clearly that's not happening at all. I think we probably need to take that away and feed that back through to ask if that's going to be possible. Um, because actually you can't do anything without a breakdown and understanding who the payments relate to. And yeah, we need to take that one away and feed that feed that back. Okay, lovely. Um, and just some information. Some PCNs have got too much Pfizer and they're looking for second dose patients to fill the slots. For example, Bath Easterns, this is a Baines practice. Um, so that's just for information, really. Um, if, if other people, um, if you, you know of any patients who, and you haven't got the right vaccine, um, not everybody's going to want to go to Bath, but um, can you go anywhere for that? Is that okay? If it was a Hampshire patient that was prepared to travel to Bath, is that, I'm asking for, I have no idea. Good question. I, I don't know. I think, yeah. What do you think, Lisa? don't know if you can get across boundaries, but they don't want to waste it, do they? So again, no. it goes back to your CCG, just double check. Yeah, the unlikely, it's unlikely anybody would want to, but it's just interesting, yeah. Okay, it's, um, we're quiet on the, on, the, on the query front today, so uh, we haven't got any more questions, unless anybody has got anything else they want to come in. I think we wanted to put something, uh, Steve Bax has come in, about payments. The issue of payments on GMS statements are raised with the CCG. It's a PCSE issue. It's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah. Um. And also somebody else has just said it's okay because Pinnacle pick up the data that you input. Anybody can come from anywhere for the um, vaccine. So that's useful. Um, Lisa's also shared a link that I don't think you can all see there. We're, we are unable to put something in the Q&A box because, because we're all panellists. So, so um, I think Lisa will put that on the FAQ documents. I think you've put that just for us panellists to see. So we'll put that in. For the, on the FAQ document, anything comes up. Did you want to say any more about what that link was, Lisa? No, it's simply it's, it's just a very basic letter about the um, clinically extremely vulnerable health workers, and it really just sort of says get a uh, a new risk assessment. But I just thought it'd be useful for people to see. Always useful. Thank you, Lisa. And um, Jenny's just come in to say, can we invite households of immunosuppressed yet? Um, I think this is partly sort of. To, to, Obviously, if they're not quite in the right cohort or, you know, you don't want to waste the vaccines. Well, what's what's the guidance on that? So households of immunosuppressed. I think there's been some discussion about opening up the these particular patients and including them in cohort six, I want to say, but if I've got that correct. But I think we're still waiting for the guidance. When I think I heard that yesterday and Nigel said, I think we're still waiting for it. So I don't I think we need to just wait until the until we formally get told. I think it would be fair to say, wouldn't it, Michelle, that clinicians can also use their, their clinical discretion in terms of if there is spare vaccine around, that, that is allowable in terms of using the discretion. Absolutely. 
Fantastic. Well, unless there are other, any other words of wisdom that either Michelle or Lisa would like to impart, we'll make that short and sweet, I think. And hopefully that's been useful. Obviously, we're sending out a newsletter each week, which hopefully is also helpful. And um, you know where we are. So we're always here. Have a lovely Easter. And thank you for joining us. And we will see you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. 